Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Passing Places, my personal podcast, all about my travels around Scotland by motorhome, motorcycle, bicycle, and when it comes to hill walking, Shanks Pony. Now in this episode I want to, for the first time, talk about wild camping. It's a topic which will come up time and time again in future episodes because it's such a sensitive topic about how best to experience the more remote and rugged parts of Scotland. Now before I get into motorhomes, I used to do a little bit of wild camping in my youth and that involved being out in the hills, hill walking and with your backpack you'd have your tent, your cooking stove, your head torch and you would pitch camp and ensure in the morning that you left the site as you found it. So it's a very practical way to survive and thrive outdoors when you're enjoying the Scottish hills. However, wild camping is now used to describe, certainly in camper van and motorhome terms, anywhere that you spend or you stay overnight where there is no electrical hookup, there's no basic campsite facilities. Now, for some people who are perhaps travelling either from the south, somewhere down in England to the Highlands in Scotland, for example, or if I was travelling from Scotland to France, you do find yourselves perhaps uh, in, say, motorway service stations, or I've even heard people using 24-hour Tesco car parks. And the very fact that you stay overnight without these facilities tends to be termed while camping. So what I'd like to do is cover some of the do's and don'ts, some of the legalities around while camping, and perhaps take you into some of the more specific issues that arise when you're out enjoying Scotland. Now, the first thing I would say is that in Scotland we have very progressive uh, land reform legislation. In 2003 we established the Freedom to Roam, which basically gives us all uh, universal access to all land within Scotland for recreational purposes. Now, doesn't that sound great? And it is great. The spirit of the legislation is really, really positive. But it is based primarily on common sense and responsibilities. And the best place to find the detail around that is Scottish Natural Heritage put together the Outdoor Access Code. Now, during this episode, I'll give you some websites that you might want to visit and read up on the topic. But I'll have all the links within the show notes, so don't worry about trying to jot them down just now. But the access code can be found at outdooraccess-scotland.com. So, where does this take us? The very first point to make is that freedom to roam and the responsibilities and opportunities that are provided and are covered in the Outdoor Access Code specifically and this is really important, specifically excludes any form of motorised vehicle. So from the very outset, if we're talking camper vans and motorhomes, you don't have the freedom to roam. You don't have the same flexibility that you would have if you were on foot, if you're camping or if you're on a bicycle, for example. So if you're out and about in your camper van or motorhome, you're primarily on the public highway, and if you access a designated site... That site will be licensed and there will be clear obligations, responsibilities on both sides as to how that situation works. Now, I do, if I'm honest, uh, pull over in laybys 
and spend the night if I'm out and about, particularly in the more wild parts of Scotland. So what I'd like to cover is just some of the basic do's and don'ts and why it's important to keep a relatively low profile and ensure that you do leave the, the place as you found it. Now many of the um, laybys that you'll come across in Scotland will have a sign which says no overnight parking. So would you be happy to spend the night in a lay-by that had one of these signs? I personally wouldn't because you're likely to be on edge the whole time you're there. You know that you're doing something that the sign says you're not supposed to do. But I think in reality, when I've looked at it and checked up on how local authorities have tried to police this system, probably the worst thing that could happen to you is that the somebody, uh, an authority, whether it's a police officer or whatever, might turn up in the middle of the night and ask you to move on. Now, I don't really want to put myself in that situation. I usually understand why they're trying to rest- restrict overnight parking. So I think these laybys are best avoided. You will be able to find other places that you can stay overnight. And if you use some basic um, common sense, and much of this is already in the Outdoor Access Code, although, as I said before, we're excluded from it, is don't park somewhere within view or close to somebody's house or any other facility, public buildings, playing fields, that type of thing. And crucially, remember that most of the land, if not all of it, is being actively managed and owned by some other party. So don't try and park in a place that might restrict a farmer in terms of access to his land. Don't park in a place where people can see you readily for half a mile down the main road. Try and find a quiet spot. And please, I have my own rule of thumb, which I really don't like to stay more than one night And I do like to turn up just at at around darkness and set off quite early in the morning. And in that way, I haven't really made an issue out of the fact I've parked overnight. And in my experience over the last couple of years, I've found plenty of places that I can stop without really making any impact on anybody else. So perhaps you're coming up on holiday and you really do want to relax. You don't want to be a fly-by night, you know, driving all day, parking up at dusk and getting up at dawn. So let's look at something a bit more realistic. And there's a very, very good example that for me springs to mind. About maybe four or five years ago, I spent a fantastic week on Tyree. Now I had a a holiday let for that week and I just went over in the car, but I had uh, bicycles with me and I had a great week. But I did find a number of people in little camper vans and, and motorhomes parked up around the island. Now, It was a contentious issue even then, and credit to the local community on Tyree, they have come up with a solution to what they perceived as a problem. Now, Tyree, as I say, is a beautiful island to visit, and the local residents really do welcome people visiting, and they look forward to the fact that they can share the island with visitors, and that brings in some trade in terms of the local businesses. And there are some small businesses that rely on the tourist trade for their livelihood. But Tyree, its beauty is based on its natural habitats. It's a very sensitive environmental area where 
some of the wildlife and the, the fauna, the land use by the crofters has to be very, very well managed. And I hope you can't pick up my little dog skid growling in the background, but that's going to be an ongoing part of these uh, episodes, unfortunately. <laughs> so where was I? I was talking about Tyree. Yeah, I, I sensed in Tyree that people were concerned about irresponsible wild camping. I mean, some examples would include uh, somebody taking the ferry over from Oban in their motorhome, absolutely f- f- packed to the gunnels with provisions for their stay, whether it's a few days or a week. And they would go into some of the more sensitive beaches or park up in potentially inappropriate areas. And stories abounded about people emptying their chemical toilets, leaving rubbish. But I suppose fundamentally, as well as that environmental impact, they weren't really spending anything by way of uh, economic benefit to the islands because they were largely self-sufficient. So one website I would certainly recommend you have a look at is the local website for Tyree. I think it's I think it's called isleoftyree.com. Again, that'll be in the show notes. But they now have a formal system in place. They're very, very welcoming for people who want to visit in their camper van or motorhome. And you can imagine Tyree attracts a whole range of visitors in the summer because of the the beauty of the place and its beaches. But it's also very, very popular with windsurfers because there are some fantastic windsurfing opportunities there. So the scheme that's now in place is that in conjunction with Calmac Ferries, they're asking people to formally register the fact that they will be staying overnight on the island for however many nights that might be. And they have a number of designated overnight parking places that local crofters have made available. And they have, I think it's one, you'll need to check online, perhaps one designated campsite too. So everybody who arrives by motorhome or camper van should either already have booked some form of accommodation for their stay or check in with the ferry office or the local site to ensure that they arrange their stay and their their pitch for the time they're there. Now, from memory, I think it's £10 a night. Now, a lot of people in vans are going to be... There'll be couples, there might be families. And that's a very reasonable, I think, and realistic amount to pay in comparison to some of the site fees you'll pay elsewhere in the UK. As I say, the scheme is designed to protect Tyree in relation to the sensitivity of the island itself and the fact that there are competing land use issues going on in terms of local crofting and other businesses. And it will avoid, to a large extent, irresponsible wild camping in future. And if you do go over to Tyree and you ignore all of that guidance, uh, you will probably be quite rightly approached by somebody at some point during your stay to ask you to move on or to move on to a designated site. So do you really want to spend your holiday looking over your shoulder? And even when Tyree is busy with tourists, it's a very small island community. So people know what's going on. And I'm sure if you have a motorhome, one of the things that always uh, makes me laugh is that if you ever wanted to be discreet and have a low profile, would you consider... Would you consider a white van as being the way you would go about it? So when I'm out and about in Scotland, I'm thinking here of the 
particularly up in the northwest coast, and you're travelling over a big wild expanse of moor, which is basically peat bog and heather, and it could be half a mile, it could be five miles away, you'll see this white shape, and you know from that sort of distance there's a motorhome parked up. So, unlike my Mazda Bongo, which was a very dark wine colour, my little van used to disappear at dusk into the landscape. I'm very conscious in this larger van that I'm driving around in a big white van saying, I'm here, I'm here. So please have a look at the Tyree website, isleoftyree.com. Look at the provisions they make for welcoming motorhomes and camper vans and think about the various reasons why such a scheme has proved to be necessary. It benefits the local community in terms of some economic benefit. It allows you free access to, well, if you accept the £10 a night, but it allows you proper access to the island in a way that you'll be fully welcomed and avoids any unnecessary impact on what is a very fragile and special part of Scotland. So I fully welcome the nature of the scheme and the detailed provisions that are there, and it gives you some sense of probably where other parts of Scotland might go in the future. People recognise that camper vans, motorhomes, tourists generally bring economic benefit to the area, but there needs to be some degree of compromise and balance to ensure that those visitors don't in any way detract from the beauty of the place, the fact that it's a workplace for many people, and that they don't negatively impact on the local environment. Another example that springs to mind is on Loch Lomondside, which is one of our two national parks in Scotland. On the east side of Loch Lomond, the West Highland Way follows a path up from Glasgow, up the side of East Loch Lomond, and up to Crean Larach. And for many years, people in Glasgow in particular would go up to Loch Lomond in the summertime and they would camp. Wild camp in tents and uh, walkers on the West Highland Way would camp. And the, the, the consequences of that, if we're honest, was a huge issue and problem around litter, uh, campfires that were badly put together, trees, young trees being stripped of their branches and uh, vandalism beer cans and bottles, it was becoming a real problem on what is one of the most beautiful stretches of Lockside in Scotland. So the National Park have been, have felt the need to bring in uh, very clear local bylaws. And again, you can get details of this on the Loch Lomond National Park website. And it will state very clearly that wild camping is not allowed I think roughly March to October, but you'll get the dates on the website, or I'll put them in the show notes. You know, well, part whilst part of me thinks the whole national park idea is about improving access, allowing us to enjoy the the great outdoors. It's the minority who, acting irresponsibly, have created the need for these types of bylaws to be brought in. And I always think if you're out enjoying Scotland, the best way to do it is to play fair, engage with the landowners, uh, talk to people, try and make yourself welcoming because you will be welcomed. As I say, the, the legislation around freedom to roam, whilst it doesn't apply to motorised vehicles, sets the tone in terms of people recognise that Scotland provides these wonderful opportunities for you to get out and about. 
but you need to be responsible. So let's have a look at uh, some of the things that I do. If you find yourself uh, in a position where you want to camp overnight, sorry, park overnight, make sure that if it's at all practical that you ask for permission. So you've already found a, a place that you think is, you know, quite uh, discreet. It's not near somebody's house or near public playing fields or a local school or it's not going to block farm access. It's not going to uh, unnecessarily draw attention to yourself. You still might be able to or feel that the opportunity is there for you to ask permission. And I would say that if you're in one of these 24-hour car parks in Tesco's, you're heading over to the continent or something, go into Tesco's, ask to speak to the manager and say, do you mind if I park way over there at the end of the car park? I'm just about to spend the best part of £100 on provisions here. I'm going to, you know, refuel my tank. Do you have any objection to me staying overnight? I would think they might well say that's fine. That's preferable to the to some late night security guard who's fed up coming over and chapping your door at three in the morning. And you've, you might even had a glass of wine or two and he's asking you to move on. So I just wanted this to be a brief introduction to the topic of well camping. And we will come across the topic time and time again in the future episodes. The season in Scotland for tourism, particularly in relation to campsites, is very, very short. It really only runs from Easter, perhaps through till September, uh, early October. And you'll find that many of the campsites in Scotland close out with those times. Now, one of the things I would like to do on my website and through the podcast is alert you to campsites that are open, ideally all year round. Now, one campsite I'd like to mention, even at this early stage, is in Durness. The local campsite there formally closes, uh, I think, around about September, October time. But if you visit the website, and again, I'll put a link to this on the show notes, they have currently an offer in place where they're more than happy for you to use the campsite through the winter. As long as you notify them that you're on site, they'll leave the toilet block open and you will have access to cold running water, so the hot water and showers will not be available but you will have access to the campsite free of charge. Now, if you contact them beforehand and you need electric hookup, they will happily provide that to you at a small charge. So here's a campsite that at least is taking you off the highway onto a designated site, and it's an absolutely beautiful location. And at very low cost, you're able to stay uh, when otherwise in other places campsites would be closed. So I'm going to try and find out as many campsites as I can in Scotland that are open throughout the winter and if other sites could pick up on that that idea uh, or that scheme in Durness then wouldn't that just be one of the best solutions for all of us where we could get off the road onto a proper site and at least we'd have access to running water and in a lot of your uh, a lot of cases I'm sure perhaps in your own motorhome you have a proper bathroom facility anyway so you can run your bathroom and shower using your 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 gas. And if you have electric hookup, then even better. So get in touch, contact me with any thoughts you've got about wild camping, and I will try and cover the topic in more depth in future episodes. 
as I say, it'll come up in conversation umpteen times because it's such a potentially contentious issue. But I think if you use a bit of common sense, you're sensitive to the fact that you are always parked on either the public highway or you're on somebody's land and you're potentially creating a difficulty for somebody else and issues around permission, etc., then as long as you're aware of all these things and you are prepared to be sensible, then your travels in Scotland should be positive rather than difficult or negative. So here are the contact details for the podcast. Most important one is by email, which is feedback at bonnytours.com. And that's Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E. So feedback at bonnytours.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at bonnytours. And you can also visit the website, which is www.bonnytours.com and leave a comment or subscribe to the podcast. The podcast is available on iTunes, or will be very shortly, so you can subscribe. And if you do subscribe, please leave a a feedback, if you can, on iTunes, which would be helpful in getting the podcast discovered by other people. And in the meantime, hope you enjoy the podcast and get in touch. Thank you. Thank you.